The scripture reading today is found in the first chapter of Acts. It's the first 11 verses. Uh, your pews in the Bible, the small print is page 1139. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking at the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. And normally right now we start a video that goes for about a minute and tells you about a kingdom. But since I left my phone down here, and that's how I run the video believe it or not, then we're just going to skip that and go to lunch one minute earlier today. That sound all right with you all? <laughs> You've seen it a few times by now anyway. You probably could quote it to me. So, uh, instead I'm just going to ask him, do you know Paul Wolfowitz? Anybody? <laughs> do you care to know Paul Wolfowitz? <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a politician, doesn't he? So you probably are like, why would I care? Um, but uh, Paul Wolfowitz, I bring him up today because, uh, well, today is about ambassadors of the kingdom. And this guy was an ambassador for a few years to Indonesia. Uh, I wanted to read to you just a little blurb from a journalist about Paul Wolfowitz says Wolfowitz's you try saying that several times in a sermon. Wolfowitz's appointment to Indonesia was not an immediate obvious match. He was a Jew representing America in the largest Muslim republic in the world, an advocate of democracy in Suharto's dictatorship. 
But Wolfowitz's tenure as ambassador was a notable success, largely owing to the fact that, in essence, he went native. With tutoring help from his driver, he learned the language, he hurled himself into the culture, he attended academic seminars, climbed volcanoes, and toured the neighborhoods of Jakarta. Now, I bring him up, obviously, because he's an ambassador, and we're talking about ambassadors today, but I also bring him up because I think sometimes as Christians trying to be a witness for Jesus in our community that a lot of times doesn't want anything to do with the church anymore, trying to have some sort of influence in our community, trying to have a voice in our community, we feel a little bit like a Jewish American in a Muslim nation trying to get the same kind of thing done. And so I thought it was just worthwhile to look at his example. Here's someone who was an ambassador that had some success at being an ambassador. And much of that was attributed to his willingness to just plug in and show that he cared. And by extension, therefore, maybe some of them started to believe that maybe America cared to some extent. And therefore, by that happening, he was able to have some level of influence with them that he might not otherwise have had. And I thought that was interesting for us to note as we begin to talk today about being ambassadors of the kingdom. We've been in this series on the king and his kingdom for a while now. We'll wrap it up next week. And this kingdom that we've looked at, we've said, is actually a theme, maybe even more than a theme, maybe it's the theme, the theme, the, the, you know, that runs from the earliest pages of scripture right up through and into the gospels and what the New Testament is all about. And we talked about on Easter Sunday how Christ took the throne in a spectacular fashion with his death and his resurrection. And we've talked since then about how the, the kingdom that he brought and that he taught about and that he demonstrated through the miracles that he performed and ultimately through his sacrifice was a kingdom that was completely upside down from the kingdoms of this world. That the things that Christ and his kingdom value and prize and say this is how you should live your life are in complete and utter contrast to the way that the world says and tells us that we should live our lives and the values that it says we should hold. That that's why Jesus would say things like, you can't serve both God and money. Because the things and the way this world is wired, if you try to live it that way and then try to live it Jesus' way, it just doesn't work. It's like oil and water. They don't work together because they're in such contrast. And last week we talked about specifically what marks or sets apart a citizen of God's kingdom. What are we instructed to do? And we talked about a great question that we can carry with us into every situation in life, everything where we feel tempted or uncertain or every time we feel ourselves about to lash out or make a mistake, to ask ourselves, what does love require of me? 
not a worldly kind of love that we read about in the papers and hear celebrities talk about and sing about, but a godly kind of love that we read about in God's Word, that we see in uh, chapters like the beautiful chapter referred to as the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. You can look at that picture of love and see this is what we're supposed to aim for as citizens of Christ's kingdom. That's what we're supposed to look like by the Holy Spirit's help. And today I want to talk about specifically our our mission, our title, our job of ambassador. Now we just read a passage from the very beginning of a book an ancient manuscript called Acts. And Acts starts off, you may have caught, by saying uh, something about this second volume. Uh, and I hope you find this helpful, Theophilus. And you can tell it's kind of written almost as a, as a letter. And actually, one of the Gospels begins in very similar fashion. And that's the Gospel of Luke. It's also addressed to this Theophilus. And we don't uh, know here, almost 2,000 years later whether Theophilus was a person that he was writing to or whether he was using that as kind of a a title for the people who love God and he wanted them to have an account because that's what Theophilus means is lover of God and so perhaps it was just a kind of a broad title but we have good reason then to believe that the same guy wrote both the Gospel of Luke and this book of Acts And traditionally the church says that it was a physician named Luke that we read about in the book of Acts that traveled with Paul. And that's been the stance. And so we assume that it's Luke, whoever it was, they wrote about things that had happened that they had heard direct account from. And they wrote about it as we share on Easter Sunday before 70 AD and if you want all the background on why before 70 AD um, you should go listen to the message (laughs) because I don't have time to share it all again now but if you go on cypressstreet.org slash listen or if you don't have a computer get somebody to go on there and burn you a CD or or talk to Larry he doesn't mind burning CDs either and we can get you a copy and you can find out why we think it was written before 70 AD and and why that matters but essentially why that matters is the eyewitnesses who saw all this stuff happen were still alive by 70 AD and still a part of the church and when this and the other similar books were written to the church there would have been people in their midst who could say I saw that happen I was there I touched I experienced. I can vouch for that. And so we have this letter. And it picks up right where the Gospel of Luke left off. And it tells us that Jesus had spent 40 days after his resurrection going around and and meeting with his disciples and sharing with his disciples and explaining to them matters of the kingdom, it said. 
Probably similarly to the, in the way that he did that to those disciples on the road to Emmaus that we read about on that Easter Sunday. And he explained some things to them, but obviously not everything. And they come to this point where he's going to leave their physical presence. And it's a, an event that we call the Ascension. Because it says that he was lifted up. He ascended into the clouds and they didn't see him anymore. And they stood there gawking for a while until someone, an angel came along and said, Stop gawking and get to work. (laughs) In verse 6, we hear the apostles' tired old question. (laughs) Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Okay, none of this has worked out the way that we thought it was going to. The way that all of our ancestors said it would. The way we were interpreting the prophets. And you've been sharing with us how we had it wrong. And you've been making sense of it. And and so, but, you know. Okay, so it's all been going way different. We get it. You had to die. You had to raise again to life. But... You know, now you've been sharing with us about, is this the time then where you're going to take your rightful place, where God's going to reign, where God's going to set things right, where you're going to take your throne? Is this it? And Jesus says, well, it's really not for you to know when that's going to happen. It's really not for you to know when God's going to set everything right. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so he left a lot of the details in the dark for him, didn't he? And some of those details would be cleared up in the pages that you read In the chapters that come right after what we just read, we see the Holy Spirit came and began helping to clear up some of the details. They didn't have really much of an idea of what the church was going to look like at that point or what any of this was going to look like. And the Holy Spirit helped with that. The Holy Spirit prompted them and taught them that this thing was going to be a lot bigger than just the kingdom of Israel. Israel was going to be expanded to just talk about God's people and his people could be anyone and everyone and that blew their minds as well and you read about all this incredible story through the book of acts if you've never sat down or it's been a while since you've read the book of acts sit down and read the book of acts it's not a boring read it's the church from its beginning and all the incredible things that took place as it this movement got started But the details, many of them, are still in the dark today. But one thing that's not in the dark is the mission. That's crystal clear. And they had no doubts, and we have no doubts about what Jesus expects and expected us to be busy about. What he expected us to be doing. The mandate... The mission was to go and be a witness 
in their immediate community, the surrounding communities, the whole world. Now, a witness is someone who can shed light on the truth, right? There's someone who can share, you know, here's something I've experienced, here's, you know, in the courtroom, you know, they're sharing, you know, from my experience, here's what I can speak to be true. Someone who does that witnessing thing on behalf of a kingdom who goes and says, here's what my kingdom's about, here's what we're willing to do, here's what we'd like to see happen. This is what's true about our kingdom. We call that person an ambassador. You might could also call him an emissary. Someone who's on a mission. Paul himself used the term ambassador in other spots. Second Corinthians. But the mandate was to go and to bear witness to what they had seen and what they had heard. To tell others who would tell others who would tell others who would tell others. The mission and the mandate was not to, shut up, to set up shop in Jerusalem and to build a kingdom there and wait for the rest of the world to come to them. That's what they had thought was going to happen. But that's not what the mission was. That's not what the mandate was. Instead of being kingdom officials that would stay put in some kind of kingdom that they would build right there, they instead were sent out as ambassadors. They weren't expecting that. But it's important because the mission that they were given applies to us today. And the mandate was not to build beautiful buildings, putting a steeple on every one. And the mandate was not to preach great sermons and sing great songs. These things are good. These things might even be necessary. But they weren't the mandate. They weren't the mission. And we have to be careful that we keep our priorities straight on that. For if you're a Christian today then the mandate still applies to you. And you are a kingdom ambassador. And the thing about ambassadors is, one thing about them, is they don't have the luxury of staying comfortably at home, do they? Now some ambassadors, doubtless, get to go be ambassador to Fuji or something, and they probably have a pretty nice life. But it's still not home, right? And there's nothing quite as comfortable as home. And an ambassador doesn't get to be comfortable. Now I'm not saying when I'm suggesting that the church should be ambassadors, that we should be ambassadors, and therefore this applies to us, I'm not saying that every one of us should be Ron and Jean Cootie going to Turkey, or David and Barbara Miller going to Latin America. Uh, for one, if we all got up and went there, who'd be here, right? We've got a job to do here as well. We're not all called to do that, but we are all called to bear witness. We are all called to be ambassadors for the kingdom. And as a church, 
We can't ever become content to stay inside our beautiful brick bunker, (laughs) if you will. That's how some churches seem to treat it. We can't get content with that because our mission is still out there. So we've got to, as a church, start thinking about things and continue to strive and hold each other accountable to thinking about things in a different fashion than what's naturally comfortable. And we have to think about, well, you know, things like maybe we need a bigger sign out there that says, we want you to come, (laughs) you know, that communicates that instead of folks having to be looking for it like, hey, now which church is that as we drive by, you know, maybe we need to think about that. Or maybe we need to think about some of the ideas that uh, the council was just throwing around the other day in our meeting. We were talking about, uh, well, one idea that came up was that we could actually go to community events that are happening out uh, you know, in the community where a lot of times Super One Foods or different places will set up a little tent and give away some things just to try and show the community that they care. Well, shouldn't the church be trying to show the community that we care? And couldn't we set up some kind of little tent and give away something? Gatorade, shaved ice, I don't know. Something. I mean, it's already 90 degrees outside. (laughs) What is with that? All right. In Missouri, I'd have at least until late June before we were talking 90 degrees. (laughs) So here we are. We're in Louisiana now. Which, by the way, did you know? I'm getting way off track here now. But did you know that this is the last Sunday of my first year here? Isn't that crazy? Time flies when you're having fun. Slow clap. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Um, So where were we? Oh, yeah, tents. All right, that doesn't take a whole lot to do. We talked also about, you know, how can we uh, start showing Bowley Elementary just down the road that we care? And, and actually, some folks are going to be taking desserts over to Bowley Elementary uh, just to, for the teachers, sit them in the teacher's lounge and say, hey, we care about you, thank you for what you're doing. And maybe some things like that will just be a first step towards partnering with them to show our community that we care. Seems like we talked about something else. Uh, oh, just on Wednesday night, we were talking about, you know, what if sometimes we have prayer requests for people that are co-workers and things like that. We talk about those on Wednesday night and we pray for people in our community, uh, whether it's at our refresh on Wednesday night, but especially at our We Pray event uh, that happens on the first Wednesday of each month. And uh, what if we just started passing around a card when it was appropriate and let everyone write a short prayer in there and then let that person take it to their co-worker or to their neighbor who's going through a hard time and just to say There's a church that cares because Jesus cares. Little things like that, that they might be really simple things. They may not take a whole lot of effort, but we just have to be thinking in that way, you know? We have to think outwardly because Jesus gave us a mission to be ambassadors. And here's the thing, and this is on your card, on one side of your card, is that it's human tendency... To fellowship inwardly. That we just have to recognize that that's our tendency. We don't have to say, oh, that's bad. <laughs> that's, 
that's good that we want to fellowship with each other. But our tendency is to want to do that. And it's not our tendency to want to focus outwardly. And so we have to recognize, okay, this is human tendency. You look at any organization, any club, any, anything that humans are a part of, the tendency is to focus inwardly. But Jesus' mandate is to witness outwardly. And so we have to constantly hold ourselves in check and hold ourselves accountable that we don't get stuck only thinking about what would we like to do, what's going to be fun for us, what's going to be edifying for us, but to also think about our mission to take and witness outwardly. Amen? And we can dream up programs like the ones I was just talking about and we can put a big sign out there and we can do all that. But ultimately, if our church is going to become known as ambassadors of the kingdom, it's going to start with us individually, right? Sorry about that. And so on the back of your card, you just filled in those blanks maybe of the fellowship inwardly versus witnessing outwardly. On the back, there's just... A little card that looks kind of like this. I commit to pray for blank, blank, blank. And then a couple of little just suggestive prayers. And I know that we're already asking you to think of some names for the family and friends Sunday. But if you can tolerate some more name thinking for a minute. Maybe you could think of three people in your sphere of influence, in your world, who don't know Jesus as their king. And, you know, maybe you're not too sure about just walking over to their house one day and knocking on it and saying, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus today? But I tell you, something that we all can do is to commit to pray for these folks. And I think that that second prayer is important as well. Because prayer needs to recognize that sometimes it needs to be accompanied by action. And maybe, you know, that's something that makes you nervous right now. You know, where you're at in your faith right now, or just your personality might be kind of like mine. And it would just make me nervous if I was thinking about, okay, I'm going to go talk to Jesus, talk to, about Jesus to my neighbor today that I hardly ever talk to because I hardly ever see him out there, but I think he needs Jesus and I'm just going to go. That would make me really nervous. So I think a good starting point for us is to just start praying that second prayer. God, I pray for Jim Bob that the Holy Spirit might show me opportunities to be an ambassador to them. An ambassador for your kingdom to them. You might show me opportunities. And yeah, that's a, that's a risky prayer. But when you pray that prayer for a while, sincerely, you might just find an opportunity to share something with them that doesn't feel quite as scary as you thought it was going to feel. Because you've been praying about it, and you're looking for it, and one day the Holy Spirit just says, well, here you go. And you take it, and when you take that opportunity, it's a really cool feeling. Anyone ever taken that opportunity and done that before and would say, yeah, it was a really cool feeling? Anyone ever done that before? At least two of us. 
I've done that before. I uh, Just real briefly, I wasn't even planning on sharing this, but since we only had two hands raised, I'm going to share this. <laughs> when I was in college, in the summers, I would work at a Domino's pizza store. And uh, I had always grown up hating Domino's pizza, but I ended up working there for several years. And I really enjoyed the job and the people that I got to work with and had good relationships with my boss. And they promoted me higher than I probably should have been promoted for the level of experience that I had. And it was a really good experience and fond memories and all that. And one of my last summers there working, uh, I'd, my boss, my manager, was uh, a non-practicing Jew. And he was a, you know, a frat guy of frat guys. You know, the kind of frat guy you expect when you say frat guy. <laughs> that was him. And he, uh, you know, didn't really ever have anything, it was obvious, to do with religion, period. And uh, for some reason that summer, I had been attending these kind of a uh, Christian college group kind of thing that was meeting over the summer. And I just felt like I should invite him to it. And it was really, again, my personality, really uncomfortable. But it just kind of kept sticking with me. And I eventually just, I felt like it was a Holy Spirit thing, a God thing, that he just kept bringing it up to me. And so I called him and I said, would you uh, consider coming to this thing? And uh, he said, if I remember literally, this is, uh, this is just a direct quote, Jesus, Neil, are you trying to save me? <laughs> that was his response. <laughs> I thought, well, you got the Jesus thing kind of in there, you know, but it's maybe not the right way. Uh, and I thought, boy, that, that could have gone over better. And, and a little while later, though, he called me back and said, what should I wear? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and not only that, he brought another friend that <laughs> wasn't going to church, just so he'd feel more comfortable, I think. And so both of them came that night and heard the gospel, you know. And I would have never dreamed that they would have come or that they would have wanted to come, and especially not after his initial response. But what we're asking you to do today, what I'm asking you to do today, is not even that. I'm not even saying, call somebody up and do it. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, start praying about it. Start praying about some specific people that you know, friends in your life, Pray for them that they'd come to know Christ as their king. And it might be that through praying that, God uses somebody else to witness into their life. Or it might be that by praying that in the next prayer, that God decides to use you to speak into their life. And that would be an honor and a privilege for you. So think of three names. Write them down. Commit to pray for them. Can we do that together? I think that's something that we can all do. And if you don't know three people who are not Christians, get out of the house a little more. <laughs> Start, just call some people. It'll be all right. <laughs> you know, as if we, if we get serious about our mission as ambassadors, of Christ, one of the things that I really believe we'll see is our church grow in, in health, but also in number. And, uh, but I want to say this about that. You know, I, pastors get a lot of pressure put on them 
with the whole church growth thing now because it's like if you're not either you know, the, the feeling that you get in the ministerial ranks is that if you're not either climbing your way to a mega church of some kind or are already there then you know, you're doing a subpar job you know, kind of thing and one of the things that I had to remind myself when I took this position of senior pastor and one of the things I continue to remind myself of when that pressure is felt indirectly from outside and articles that are posted and all that kind of stuff ministry stuff is that I don't have the power to grow this church or any other church and we're not ever going to grow by you know me getting to preach like Billy Graham or or by our worship team getting to be like Chris Tomlin uh, or whatever worship leader you prefer. And that's one of the reasons why I've focused so much on prayer in the last several months. Because I really do think that whether our church you know, thrives and becomes healthy and, and does grow in some way, shape, or form is almost entirely dependent on the Holy Spirit. And so it feels like then it makes sense that we should really redouble our efforts in prayer. And that we should be praying, yes, for the things that we often are accustomed to praying for, but we should also begin praying for our community and for those that don't know Christ as their Savior and for opportunities for our church to be a witness and to be ambassadors for the kingdom. But I also think this, that just as old Paul Wolfowitz figured out that he could have some success as an ambassador even in a hostile place by just showing people he cared, I think when we get busy showing people that Jesus cares, that we won't hardly be able to help grow. When we get busy showing people that Jesus cares, not just telling them that He cares, but showing them by the power of the Holy Spirit that He cares deeply for them, then that's just going to be a natural outflow. And the reason that we go and we share is not so that we'll grow, but because it's our mission. It's our mandate from Jesus Christ to go and be ambassadors for His kingdom. So let's pray together. As our praise team comes. Father, give us your heart for the people who don't know you as God and King. Give us a heart for that God. Jesus, teach us to care as deeply as you do. Holy Spirit, Empower us to do what we don't know how to do of our own wisdom and of our own power and ability. And God, may all who come behind us find that we have been faithful to the mission that you have given us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.